Welcome to What I Did Next from ANT Media. I'm Malak Fuad, your host. What I Did Next revolves around people's personal and professional crossroads and looks at those trajectories from key pivot points. My guests are multilingual, multicultural, with roots in the Middle East. They're engaged, curious, and passionate about knowledge and strive to make a difference in the world. Today, I'm delighted to welcome Prince Abbas Helmi onto the last episode of season two. Prince Abbas Helmi is a descendant of two Middle Eastern royal houses. Through his father, Prince Mohammed Abdel Monaim, he is a descendant of Muhammad Ali of Egypt, while his mother, Nazisha Sultan, was the granddaughter of Mehmed VI, the last Ottoman Sultan. A quiet and modest man, Prince Abbas Helmi spoke to me about his unique life journey, weaving stories of royalty and history with the more contemporary realities of the region's finance and business industries. The show's focus on people's crossroads is visible in the life and times of the prince, starting with an early pivot when he was exiled from Egypt. I also spoke to him about his career and his passion and dedication to the preservation of key Egyptian heritage sites such as the Menil Palace and other important landmarks in the capital. One thing that struck me was how he feels equally comfortable in both Turkey and Egypt and how he carries the responsibilities of his position lightly, elegantly and with delicacy and humility. We begin with seeing who would be included at his fantasy dinner party. Well, my ideal dinner party is with my family. Uh, I mean, that really is the case. Uh, and I would, I, I would love to, especially now that I'm uh, at the moment alone in Cairo, I'd, I'd love to have my wife and children and grandchildren on it um, with, with me. Um, so that'd be, that, that would be my ideal time, yes. Would you have any um, relatives who are no longer with us? No, of course. I mean, it's it's it sounds crazy but you know obviously i would uh, be fascinated to um even meet and 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 talk if that, that if you can imagine that with the the great muhammad ali you know i would i mean because he 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 was an incredibly incredible visionary and um what happened afterwards was not necessarily what he wanted. <laughs> so I'd, I'd, I would be fascinated to hear his his um, take on it. I think if you had him at a dinner, you wouldn't need anyone else, would you? you I, could... I, I don't need to eat anything. <laughs> I'd be happy to just listen to yeah, him. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And how would you think he'd he'd uh, look at the world we're in today? I mean, I think I think it's so different. You know, I mean, he was very much part. Of, of the Ottoman Empire, and uh, um, you know, the, he's, he's usually in Egypt. He's, he's the, depicted as an enemy of the Ottomans, and he he wasn't. He he was a reformer, and I think it, it it's very unfortunate that they didn't listen to him. They they fought him. It's not the other way around. You mean the Ottomans fought the him? The Ottomans fought. That's they right. should saw him as a as a rival and and as, as a dangerous uh, person. You know, uh, Muhammad Ali is is generally misunderstood, to my point of view. I mean, I'm not a historian, but I obviously have strong views about it. It's very interesting because the Ottoman Empire at the time was was a very decentralized way of managing. Yes, and yet Muhammad Ali, when he came to Egypt, went the opposite way, didn't he? He began to 
realized that he needed to, in order to make the well, country were, efficient, yes. he had to be much more centralized in his approach. Well, yes and no. I think I think the the Muhammad Ali needed to put law and order in the country. There was complete chaos in Egypt after the the Napoleonic uh, invasion. Um, no, I mean the French disrupted Egypt. The French are always saying how wonderful they were, but it's n not a, the full story because they disrupted the whole system. And then when they were defeated and had to leave. There, were, there was chaos, you know, there was, it, was, it was real chaos. Let's move on, if you don't mind, to the next question, which was uh, looking at uh, a favorite book, a favorite piece of music. A favorite book? Um, I think I must choose the Quran Karim, um, which is our guide in life. I, I remember my last uh, uh, conversation with, with with Prince Yusuf Kamal, Prince Yusuf Kamal is a great figure in in, in the in the royal family. He was in exile by then. It's, it's this is 1956 something like that, and uh, he, he he was living in Austria and he he invited me to tea and it's just the two of us uh, having tea at the Lausanne Palace and and so he said, well, what are you doing now? So I said, oh, I'm, 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 I'm studying in England. Oh, yes, 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 he said. So, so how is your English? I said, well, I had a lot of trouble, actually, to start with, with English. But I said, I'm better off. I'm, I'm better now. So I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting better at English. I said, oh, good, good, good. All, all businesses in English. And all, all contracts have to be written in English, he said. It's, a, it's the most precise language. And uh, so, so I said, yes, yes, I know about that. And then, and then he said, uh, what are the languages? I said, well, French. You know, I went to French schools. And so my first, first studied language is, is French. Uh, ah, yes, yes, yes. Uh, very, very good playwrights they have. <laughs> so I said, but not, not very serious people. Uh, 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 and he said, what, what about your, your Arabic? So I said, "Well, he says, well, it's 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 deteriorating because I'm in England and I don't have a lot of opportunity." So I said, well, "What should I do?" And he said, "You, the Quran Karim, it's in thirty goes parts, and you read one part every day." That's wonderful advice. And he says, "And it's and it's a says, true you essence." You learn your religion. Yeah. You learn the language, and he says it'll it'll inspire you. He says, "Just do that." Of course, I'm afraid I don't do that. But he, he, but it's sound advice. It's, it's his advice. <laughs> so it's remind it reminded me. I yeah. said, you know what do you do? But you read the Quran Absolutely. Karim, and and then and then he said, what about your Turkish? So I said, I took O level Turkish at school, and uh, it's not too bad. No, no, no. These are origins. You mustn't forget that. And said, okay, all right. And said, and then he said, how about your German? And I said, well, my German is not non-existent. Yes. I'd like to learn German. He said, what? You don't know German? They're the only serious people in Europe. <laughs> he says, they're hardworking, yeah. intelligent. He says, and, and you, go and you, you don't even know their language? What about your Persian? And I said, Persian, I, I, yes, yes, I also would like to know, but I don't know There's Persian. There's only so many hours oh, in the day. <laughs> you don't know Persian? He says, your parents haven't educated you. Isn't that funny? I promise Absolutely. he said that. Then he said, that, you know, the greatest poets that have ever existed were old Persians. 
And he says, Saadi, Firdusi, Hafez, you don't know any of it? I said, no, I'm afraid I don't. <laughs> and he started, you imagine, he was about 90 by then. He was reciting he it. He was reciting Persian poetry. That's fine. And even the old ladies in the, at the palace were all looking around to see That's what was something. going on. And he was, no, Tisan, you know, you know. And he's very musical. Yes, you know? yes. So it, it, was, it was very impressive. That's quite, yeah. quite a story. And he went on and on reciting Persian poetry. And he says, what a shame you don't know any of it. Absolutely. It's so funny <laughs> how that was considered so important. They were incredibly well-educated. You see, I mean, this is six languages which he considered to be basic. The fundamentals. Fundamental. You first of all, you learn these six languages. So he found you wanting in the end. He, he found me uneducated, <laughs> ignorant, and I'm afraid I still am. That's very funny. And so, what about music? You're a classical music fan. Yes, it's funny that as well because my mother was very musical, and I spent a lot of time with my mother uh, when I was little. You know, I suppose like most kids, and she always had classical music on. And I always found it rather annoying. And As a I was child, ma yes. Yeah, making yes. faces and yeah. uh, ridiculing her music, which she didn't take to very kindly. <laughs> uh, and she said, she said, you're, you know, you must. But funny thing is that it's had an effect on me, obviously subconsciously. Yes, it does, yeah. And, and nowadays I, I, I'm very fond of classical music. And I think it was her. She 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 was always listening to classical music, which at the time I found detestable. But and what then would, with time, I, love, I learned to love what it. What would be your, your pick? You said you'd like Beethoven? I mean, all, all the great composers are geniuses. I mean, we just have to recognize that. I mean, Mozart is a genius, and Beethoven is another genius, and Wagner is another genius. Classical music, genius. Yeah, I agree. I, I'm loath to pick one, actually. Mm, it's yeah. difficult. Yeah. I think also m music reflects a mood, and sometimes you're in the mood for the dramatic, and sometimes yes. you're in the mood for something a bit softer. Yes, but you, you put yourself in it, because, you know, you, you, the, way, the way you and I go and listen to it is that we buy a ticket to go to the opera, and very often we have to buy the ticket um, months before, That's two right. months before, six months before. So you don't know what mood you're That's going right. to be in. Yeah. But uh, but um, you know you. But I, on the night, once once you sit down and the lights go down, you you go into another world. And I think this is this sort of escapism is is part of the experience that we all enjoy. We we leave our everyday world behind and we join this imaginary Absolutely. world. You know? So let's look a little bit at your early life. I was born in Heliopolis in, in our house. My mother insisted on, 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 on giving birth to both my sister and I at home. Um, and, and I was blessed by having a very close family life. I saw my, both my parents almost every day, every, pretty well every day. And there was a definite sort of love. In, in, close family unit. Very 
after all. So this is a blessing. I mean, you know, not I know that a lot of people don't have that. Absolutely, yes. And and I was just born into that. You know, I, I thank God for it. Uh, and I think what I had privileged in in my life is people. You know, I I was given these lovely parents and very nice sister. I'm very close to until today. And then teachers and people were wonderful with, with me. I mean, were you home so, tutored? Yeah, you were. No, 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 not not entirely. No, I went to to the Jesuit school to les, les, Jesuites. les Jesuites. They were they were a very good school and very cosmopolitan in 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 our time. Lots of friends were Christians, Muslims, Jews, everything, everything. Lebanese, Syrian, the the everything. the melting pot I, of I mean, Egypt. It's very unusual. I mean, by the time I went to England, I realized how unusual it was. And then you left Egypt in 1957, is that correct? No, no, 53. 53, sorry, to France, is that correct? To, to France, yeah. My my father had been head of the Regency Council. Yes. There were three regions. But then the other two, uh, Hanna got into trouble and I believe was under uh, was, arrest. And, yes. And... Uh, uh, and um, Barakat. Barakat left. He, he found it going difficult. Yes. And the father stayed to the bitter end. But I mean, you know, the, um, he, he was then dropped, and then Republic was de declared. And then it was arranged that my sister and I would go with my um, uncle Muhammad Ali Ibrahim and his w wife and uh, and their two children. We went to to Paris to live in Paris. I then didn't see my father for, or my sister and I didn't see uh, our father for five years, which was quite long. That's a long time. Because then, for a while, they were under house arrest. And they remained in Egypt. They remained in Egypt. My father had already been in exile once in his life, so he thought, now that I'm back, I don't want to go out again because last time I, I spent so much time abroad, you know. And I might not survive that and might not come back at all. So he, but in, in the end, they, they, there was court case and so on. So they, they had a hard time and um, they eventually left as well. And it must have been very difficult for you and your sister to be apart for five years from your father. Yes. Were you that, also, that, was your no, mother also away from you? My mother managed to come out twice uh, on holiday. Um, so we saw mother twice on holiday during those five years. Because that's a very young age for you. It's you a were... very young age. We were, again, blessed by by our relatives who looked after us wonderfully. I mean, we were just second family. It was wonderful. They Thank really God looked after Absolutely. us very, very well. So we weren't missing anything yes. except, of course, our real parents were also in difficult circumstances, so that this was a, a worry. Were you aware at that age of what was happening? Yes, yes. You I were conscious. We don't want you're fifteen or something. You, 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 you're fully aware of what's going and on. And were you anxious about it? Did you worry about it? Uh, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So from there, you went on to the UK to study. Yes, yes. My parents wanted that, and and I thought they were crazy because. They sent a letter through a friend. Who, very few friends when managed to go and visit them because they needed the permit and all sorts of things. And most people terrified to go to do that. And um, but a very good friend went to see them and took a, a, a letter from them. And he, they, the mother was uh, and father was saying, 
go, go and, and, and university in England, either Oxford or Cambridge. No other options. No <laughs> option. Either Oxford or yes. Cambridge. Yeah. So you so, did you did all your secondary so school. I, my English was appalling. It was very bad. You know, to be bad at English in France is just about the pits. You know, <laughs> it shows how bad it was. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and then having to make it to it the was UK. It was my worst language yeah. subject at school. But anyway, I have very good friends from that school in Paris. So I have I gained from that in the in the sense that I I, had, I retained very good friends in from my school in Egypt, and then in Paris. And then in England. Whenever I think of you, I always think of you as an Anglophile. I never think of you as a Francophile. Oh no, I am. Yeah. So you're you consider yourself a bit of both. I'm a chameleon. You're a chameleon, depending in, on where in, you in are. In France, I'm French, and uh, I'm blessed with the fact that you know I I do I have this gift. I I can feel completely at home almost anywhere. I think, but. Uh, these these countries are countries I know very well. So if I go in the street, I mean, when when I the moment I come back to Egypt, I feel ah oh, I'm home, you know. But if I go to Paris, I'm where I haven't lived all that much. I mean, apart from the school, I feel completely comfortable, you know. Well, that's what I um, wanted to ask you because mm. having lived in so many different places, where do you consider home? Fundamentally, I know or, or, the original home is Egypt. Is no, Egypt no doubt about it? Yeah. And today, would would it be more Istanbul because your immediate family are there? Yeah, when you see, I, I suppose I, 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 I'm, I'm uh, part part of something which no longer exists because we we were brought up to think it, there was no difference between the two. Yes, virtually, yeah. absolutely, that's right. <laughs> so, so we I forget that today, don't I, we? I don't really feel there's much There's, difference. Yeah, Although, I mean, the the two countries were odds until recent until yesterday that's right <laughs> but yesterday they become friends they become again. friends again <laughs> so such a politics in the middle east are very complicated but you know i i i i'm i'm a dinosaur so in a way you're you 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 look at it in a in a borderless way a bit like the ottoman empire it, itself was yeah i think it should be borderless and I, I don't see why we have all these complications between us but that's how it is and and your identity if you were to say to somebody you know if someone was to ask you about your identity what what would that be for you i'm, I'm a turco egyptian you know i mean there's a lot of us uh, the, uh, if if you look at it i think i think people don't if if you look at it the way the way um the way egypt is you know um there's enormous link Forget the Republic of Turkey. The Republic of Turkey is new. It's a new country, 1923. You know, it's, it's yesterday. But um, the the link, the cultural link with Turks, you know, is is goes back. You know, Ahmed ibn Tulun, in 950 or something, um, broke away. He he, became, he was the 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 wali, the, the governor of Egypt. And he broke away from the Abbasian and and governed Egypt. So when he struck his coins, which are at the Islamic Museum, he he says Doriba uh, minted, if you mm. need it in English. Yes. Fil <laughs> Imara in the principality, at Turkiya, at Tuluniya. So Tulun is Tulun is his name. Yes. So the only name of the country is Turkey. 
but he's meshed it all together. So he said, Duriba fil Imara Turkiya Tuluniya. So he, he, he calls Egypt Turkey. Yes. Because he is Turkish. Uh, he is a Kapchak Turk, who is really basically the people from who is now in Kazakhstan and the tribes which yes. are in Kazakhstan. Imagine he brought in Ahmed ibn Tulun, he himself brought in immediately, he started straight away because he needed to start a new series here. So he's, he brings in 10,000 Kapchaks boys, okay, the first year. Yes. Next year, he brings another 10,000. This is 950. Muhammad Ali is 1800, and in 1800, Muhammad Ali puts an end to the Mamluks. Mm -hmm. So, look, look, look at it. For, for from 900 to 1800, yeah. 900 years of intermarrying in Egypt, they bring yes. roughly 10,000 Turks every year. And so, as you say, so, you you can't so separate I'm them. That most people you yeah. see walking in the street in Absolutely. Cairo have Turkish blood. Absolutely. It's, it's a, <laughs> just by a simple calculation. The, the bus, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. But, but then they, they married locally and stayed locally. Yes. So that, that's, that's maybe some of the difference. Yes. We'll continue our conversation with Prince Habes Helmi right after this short break. I wanted to take a minute to tell you about our bonus episodes, available exclusively for subscribers. On each bonus episode, I take a deeper dive into my guests' industries, and I share some extra parts from our conversation. For example, you can find out more about the screenwriting process with acclaimed filmmaker Mo Hevzi, or about the luxury design industry with Monez and Ayad Raouf, the sisters behind Ukhtin. All of these great stories are only available on our bonus episodes, so subscribe now to unlock this amazing extra content. You can subscribe in Apple Podcasts by clicking the subscribe button or on our website and get instant access to all our bonus episodes with a two-week free trial. And now, back to the show. I wanted to take a minute to tell you about our bonus episodes, available exclusively for subscribers. On each bonus episode, I take a deeper dive into my guests' industries, and I share some extra parts from our conversation. For example, actor and comedian Rami Youssef told me about his thoughts on cancel culture, and ex-anchor and now author Hala Gorani told me her thoughts on the future of journalism. All of these great stories are only available on our bonus episodes, so subscribe now to unlock this amazing extra content. You can subscribe in Apple Podcasts by clicking the subscribe button or on our website and get instant access to all our bonus episodes with a two-week free trial. And now, back to the show. Welcome back. I'm Malak Fuad, and you're listening to What I Did Next from ANT Media. And our conversation today is with Prince Abbas Helmi. In the 1960s, the prince went to Oxford, where he studied politics, philosophy and economics, or PPE and found himself interested in economics in particular. He then began working in finance in the city of London. But eventually, um, Muhammad Yunus, who I had met when I, I was little, we, 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 we knew each other from school. He was, he was he's slightly older than me. And uh, Muhammad created his own firm called Concord, uh, which, where you are now. And, uh, and, and I was the first person he, to join him. 
and so we had a hard time to t- to tell the truth to start with but then we we eventually got the mandate to to run the mutual funds of bank miss in egypt we were always trying to manage the dollars in the united states but then they said well what about here you know so we we took it and um, and then we hired a, a, a man who to 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 be the the manager and to manage the funds and so on and then that man let us down very badly two weeks before launch and he he, he said no, i'm afraid i can't come and so on. he what he didn't tell us is that he he hadn't really told his employer that he was leaving i see so mohammed said well you know there's there's nothing we can do the thing is going to go and we we've signed the contract to to run it and so you've got you to, must do it you must do it <laughs> you you stay and you run it until until we can find somebody else and of course i'm still here and you're still here <laughs> was the move to egypt purely for the the new position or was there something else at play was there a desire to come back yes yes no i i i agree i i, I think there was both um i had a great desire to come back i've i've always wanted to come back um and i c- couldn't find a way to come back properly so I, i suppose it fitted in with that with that that plan or that what, desire what, what, th- this was probably the biggest challenge professionally that i've had, ever had because you know had somebody in london been kind enough to offer me the job um similar to what mohammed had offered me they would have said oh hello help me um how are you here's your office and here is your assistant and here is your your equipment and get on with it off you go you see except that here we didn't have an office we didn't have an assistant you built it all from scratch yeah we absolutely and all these things which i assumed you know i i i, I never th- thought about how do you choose a telephone you know yeah yeah telephone system absolutely it's an office you know lots of people of course and you're not thinking for the short term you're thinking for, yes you know, yes absolutely. i mean i buy this it's quite expensive yeah. so once you bought it you're stuck with it yeah so i had to do all that and it was it's very gratifying really because in the end i thought you know we we built it from scratch right yes from nothing yeah and mohammed was mostly in, in new york coming and going he's a wonderful sort of he, 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 uh, ideas man and and he, he sees very clearly everything but i had to deal with the everyday problems and um um you know i i i, I it wasn't easy but in the end it was a wonderful feeling of having built something was it on a personal level being back and um reintegrating within the family structure of who was left here or the friends and the childhood friends no that, that that's a very nice part and and in fact i had braced myself that i thought after all the years and years of propaganda against us you know saying what monsters we were i said that you know one or two people are going to be say things which are going to be unpleasant and i must say until today nobody has ever said anything unpleasant which i think says a lot for egyptians because uh, i'm sure some of them 
maybe didn't approve of us, but it didn't, they weren't unpleasant about it. And Egyptians are very friendly people, very, very nice people. And while you were in the UK and in France as a, as a younger man, and you'd heard all of this sort of propaganda that you just mentioned that was coming out of the Middle East and out of Egypt, how was that for you? Um, how did that feel for you? Did you feel well, threatened? When, when, when I was in, in, in abroad, it's frustrating because there's nothing you can do about it. Once you're here, then of course your your presence it means you know I'm. I don't think I look like a monster, and I'm not a monster. <laughs> and and uh, I think once you're here, it's no it's no longer quite so frustrating. Is there a balancing act that you have to adhere to when you're in Egypt now, or when you came back, that you felt that there were certain parameters you had to live within? Well, I think that mo most of us who are um, uh, Westernized Orientals um, are, are doing this this um, balancing act, and I'm sure you're very familiar with it. Um, uh, and I I think it's 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 very tricky. And I always think that people who marry foreigners, um, you know, it's it's very difficult for the foreigner. Because the, the foreigner doesn't quite get the balance right, you know, and um, it's it's easier. I always thought, you see, as I, I saw several ladies mostly who ma married Saudis and in Saudi Arabia, and they fit in completely, because they adopt a completely different way of life, and that's it. You know, if they if that's if they accept it, yeah, they took it on board. They, that's it. Yeah, but. Here, and in all our part of the world, it's much more complicated. It looks as if we're very westernized, but actually we have some hang-ups about this So and we that. have more gray zones. And, and you're never quite sure, if you're a foreigner, um, mm. where the line is drawn. Yes. You know, it's, it's tricky, but it comes naturally to us. Of course, yeah. you, you, you're able to sort of Put on a different coat, if you like. Yes, yes. And we, then take it off if you need to. That, that's what I meant. You know, we, we're a bit, yeah, we're a bit chameleon-like, yes, you know, yes. which we keep changing. And what about being a part of the royal family in Egypt? How is that for you? Did you find that you had to adhere to certain um, parameters in that way regarding uh, any kind of public life that you might have I, I, here? I have no public life. So that's, that makes it easy. Um, and but, was that a but, conscious choice, or? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I've never been keen on that. You never were. No, no, nor by keep being keen on politics. So you now divide your time between uh, Egypt and Turkey. Is that correct? Correct. So Istanbul yes. is more now of the base. Yes. yes. And in Turkey, um, there were stories a few years ago that Erdogan is is quite interested in the Ottoman heritage and the Ottoman history and is is um, is putting a lot of energy behind that. How How is that? Have you experienced that um, when that you're there? That goes on and I can't really make it out. I mean, I, I don't pretend to really understand what's going on because, I mean, there's a, there's a lot, I, I, some of it I'm, I'm very pleased about um, because of course it's our heritage but and and it was put down and not allowed in turkey which was wrong i mean 
It was for a very long time. Yes. I mean, especially when you have such a rich uh, heritage. Yes. To to not 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 use it and to deny uh, it and to deny it or not use it really. Yes. So so pretend it didn't happen. Silly. I Mm, mean, it's mm, just stupid. mm. And and, and an awful shame. But now it's gone back with a vengeance, and he has taken over the Hagia Sophia mosque. Uh, Sophia and make it back into, yes. a ch- into a mosque, which I don't approve of. Um, and um, he, but they, they have restored a lot of mosques, which I'm very happy about, and, and they, they they look wonderful. A lot of them, for example, he he, and you know, he changed the constitution, and he's a president, executive president. Whereas the president before that was just uh, a figurehead. He's, he's like a president, more or less, of, of France, something like that, you know, not not far from it. Right. Um, he has a lot of power um, uh, and influence. And so, so this is a new new function. So they, they were going to have a, uh, his, the swearing-in ceremony, you know. So they, before that, it wasn't important. So they, they, they went and asked him, he said, well, what swearing-in ceremony do we do? So they said, he said, oh, do like the last sultan. The oh, last, really? The last sultan is Vahdetin. Vahdetin is, is my mother's grandfather. Yes. You know? So, and, and I watched it on, on, on television. I couldn't believe it. They said all, you know, they do zikr and prayers and so on, you know. It's very Islamic. Yes. But all the prayers was for Vahtetin, actually Vahtetin. Really? And they didn't mention him at all. They didn't change the wording? They didn't. How strange. I don't don't really, I can't make it out. That's very strange. Does he not want it? Uh, Maybe, maybe he doesn't want his name mentioned like that. Yes. But to actually say the prayers for Vahtetin, it, which of course is my great grandfather, so I'm. So I, you were very I'm, happy to hear I'm it. Very, very <laughs> surprised and pleasantly surprised to hear it, but I can't understand it. Yeah. And then an- another relative came, and I said, "I'm sure you want to go to Friday prayers," and he said, "Yes." So his hotel, the Swiss hotel, behind it is is the Hamidiye Mosque, Sultan Hamid had built, and again it it had fallen into disrepair, and they restored it very well. And on Friday, the Friday prayers, etc. So I took this relative, who's my Jordanian relative, is also related to the Ottoman family. So I took I took him there, and then we 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 all had said the Friday prayers, and then the the, the dua came, and in the dua, they went on and on about Sultan Abdul Hamid, and not a word about the present people. Very Nothing. strange. Nothing. So it's they're glorifying that era. Yes, yes. Very interesting. And I, I, but they don't make the link. They don't make the connection. Well, with... mo- most most Turks don't understand what they're talking about anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so they don't know Arabic, Absolutely. and it's all in Arabic. Of course, of course. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about the work you're doing now uh, in terms of restoration in Egypt and the association. Well, I, do, I don't do anything, but I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to um, um, be involved in, in, in heritage preservation. I think that, that's what it is. So I, I've, I've picked on, on Maniel, 
um, because it was done by my great uncle, Prince Muhammad Ali Tawfi. And um, I thought it's, so, it's a duty for me, really, I think, to, to try and save something um, uh, from, from what he did. You know, all his life, he was a great collector and he, he, he had a wonderful collection. Uh, and, and he made all these buildings and he saved the gardens which again are in danger now of, 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 of extinction, really, um, because they're not looking after it properly. Um, and, and these gardens are very old. Some of the trees are four or five hundred years old. So it's Mamluk. It's a Mamluk garden. Quite, it's quite impressive as a, as very, a space. Very old yes. garden. Um, and he added to it. He, he brought in plants and so on. He was very keen on, on that and very knowledgeable about it. And he wrote about it. Um, and he brought in plants from the Far East, and he brought in plants from Mexico, and he loved the, the traveling. So we're trying to save that. Yes, yeah. and that's been an ongoing uh, project for quite a number of years now, hasn't it? Yes, yes, and and, uh, and again, I'm blessed with having wonderful friends and so on who are very keen uh, as well, and they... they um, so we, we we're all together. So it's made a nice group, and it's a nice feeling of togetherness. Of course. You know? yeah. And do you find that for yourself, on a on a on a sort of a personal level, that it's a way for you to give back a little bit to Egypt, and yes, by yes. preserving your own personal heritage as well? As well, well e as... Egypt is so rich, you know. I mean, yeah. if you, it goes back thousands of years, as you know. Um, so it's 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 a bit daunting. To preserve heritage in Egypt, I, I must say, uh, you know, I mean, where do you start? You know, there's so much. So I think where do you start is with the thing that's obvious to you, the thing that's in front of you. And Maniel is in front of us, you know, it's uh, in the, on the island of Rhoda, it's in the middle of Cairo. So, and and when we started off, there, there was a hotel there, as you probably remember. The Club Med, right? It's Club yes. Med with shacks. We, we, I, it wasn't me. I mean, I, I had nothing to do with it. I think Farouk Gouda, Farouk Gouda, Farouk Gouda is an is a Egyptian poet, as you probably know, and he writes in Dharam and so on. And he mounted a campaign to save Mania. And when and, was and this? I, I admire this. Was thing. this in the, uh, in the early 90s? What sort of period? Yeah, it was, was the 90s. Early 90s. Yeah. No, yeah. Uh, yeah. Middle mid nineties, and I believe you also renovated and restored uh, some family mausoleums as well, didn't you? Yes, yes. This is where where, uh, where Prince Muhammad Ali, for example, is buried. It's the mausoleum of of Khadiwa Taufi, and they they call it Ubba Tafendina. But this is this is the the, the popular name for it, um, and I think it's a very fine building because it's an Art Nouveau. Mamluk style, interesting. Which, which is a very much in fam yes. fashion in 1900. Uh, and um, Antonio Lasiak, which was the court architect, he he, I think he built a lovely thing. And are there any other projects you're working on at the moment? Uh, conservation projects? Not really. No. No. no I think that these two. Give me enough time, a lot of. And they're of ongoing, are they? They're they're continuing. Well, our main thing now is that we are trying to reopen the the museum, the actual museum at Manuel, 
many are what you see now in the buildings, but the museum itself is closed and all the artifacts are kept in storage. So we're friends of a museum which is closed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and when it, what, what is the status on that? When is it likely to open or? Well, we as an association are starting, are, are hoping to kickstart it. So we, we'll, we'll do a little bit and hope that it will encourage others to come and help us finish it. Mm. Well, thank you very, very much for your time. Mm. That was very, very interesting. Pleasure. I'm delighted that you were with us. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in today. This episode was brought to you by ANT Media with me, Malak Fuad, and is co-produced by Shirag Desai. I hope you've enjoyed hearing from our eclectic mix of guests this season. My aim was to bring you a mix of stories, people and places, and most importantly, some inspiring life journeys. I felt that each person's story resonated with me in some way. And to hear more about that, stay tuned for our wrap-up episode in two weeks' time, where I look back on the highlights of the season and look ahead to what's coming up in season three. As always, please remember to follow us on social media for updates on the show. And I'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a review in your podcast player. I hope you can join us in two weeks' time.